0: Potawatomi has expanded, and so have the wins. Get yours during the one-day 200K giveaway on Sunday, August 25th. Every hour from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., lucky guests will win cash and slot play, $200,000 in total. Play with your club card August 25th for more than 125 chances to win. The one-day 200K giveaway, only at Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. Visit PaysBig.com slash 200K for more. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Tuesday, October 2nd. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are here to break down, look back at week four in the NFL. Take a quick look ahead to week five with some of the things that have come out. But try to make sense of uh, what happened on Sunday or Sunday, Monday, and then guess actually last Thursday if we're including the entire week together. But we're from dot dfsr.com for short, dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you a free uh, three-day trial to our projection system. And then for podcast listeners only, we'll get you $5 off our monthly subscription. So it goes from $29.95 to $24.95 if you use that deals uh, URL because that is only available for podcast listeners. We don't uh, advertise that anywhere else. So go check that out. It's Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. NBA right down the pike. Our base projection hockey system is there, but we're very close. I'm bringing the optimal lineups for that as well. Premium content is all there under one subscription package. So go mm-hmm. check it out. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, week four. I'm going to go to you. I did not watch a ton, just as a uh, just sake of honesty. I did not watch a ton of You're football You're out of your board week. of football. I was at – no, I was I – was, I'm going to brag. I was at the fo- – I was at the Giants. Well, not bragging. I was at the Giants game. Um, but I was at the Giants-Saints game this weekend. But the coolest thing was we got uh, field passes before the game. And being able to go down on the field was not something I'd ever done really before. And it was, I don't know, it was kind of cool. I mean, I'm kind of older. I've been to games before. I did not think I would go to a lot of football games from here on out because we just spend our Sundays doing other work-related things now to the point where I was kind of no. And then, I don't know, going down on the field, seeing some of these guys warm up, seeing Beckham warm up ahead of time. It's pretty, guy puts on a show. You'd be hard-pressed probably to put on a show catching balls, and he finds a way Mm -hmm. to do it by just... Making sure he just ramps it up to the biggest degree of difficulty, no matter where the pass is. So just to kind of get people to cheer. The sheer size of these guys was something sort of startling to me, even though I know they're bigger. Um, I'm not, like, necessarily a small guy. And these guys, uh, yeah, they're massive. Anyway, so I'm going to kind of defer to you. You're like a
1: medium guy. You're on the bigger side of Bigger size. Yeah, I'm like six foot, small.
0: like 200, so I'm not like a small guy. Uh, but by any means, you're uh, like a tiny little guy. <laughs> not a tiny, yeah, no, no, definitely not a <laughs> tiny little guy. So did I personally did not watch a ton of football. Caught caught a bunch of highlights. Uh, for for a lot of the games, so we can talk about that. Obviously, caught up fully up on game logs and scores. Uh, and everything that else that really went down in week four. Uh, let's go through some. Well, buddy, that
1: said that part where you see the only the two the one set of footsteps in the sand. That's me. Gonna carry you through this podcast. Let's go.
0: Oh, I didn't. I was trying to think of something funny. to uh, say where the whose footsteps was I was going to say like those Drells, so, like who's are they? Um, but uh no, they they yours obviously. Too bad you couldn't
1: think of anything funny. We can keep going forward.
0: <laughs> All right, so a couple okay. things going into week 4, there are I'm going to go through some injury slashes, suspension stuff, and we'll just give a brief overview of what we think this could change things. Then we'll go back and look at some of the performances from week four, just because there are a couple of interesting news and notes here. So um, in terms of the old suspension crew, all the guys coming back from suspension, the big ones, Mark Ingram is going to come back from suspension this week. Uh, I'm going to start with him because Kamara has been, I mean, just awesome. Again, they've given the, he scored touchdowns. I, you, some people want to say maybe he's gotten lucky with like late-game touchdowns, the Giants game. Maybe he does get a little bailed out with some long stuff at the end. Uh, gets his touchdown this time. Goes the other way. Gets the touchdown reversed back in his favor. Um, but with Ingram coming back, what do we, we want to do with Kamara's usage? He, we had had him up there in the elite group of usage guys. Basically, him, Elliott, Gurley, uh, and I mean maybe one or two other guys. But not really. Those that that really was the class in and amongst itself. What do we want to do with him now that we know Ingram's back in the fold? And we kind of have we have a baseline for what the Saints wanted to do last year when both these guys were healthy.
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much have to go back to last year when both the guys were healthy. I, you know, I think it would be kind of irresponsible to assume. Like, part of me wonders if the reason they decided to ramp up Kamara's workload was in anticipation of Ingram's return, recognizing that you know no human being would be able be able to tolerate thirty touches a game. But given that he can go back to you know high teens, uh, somewhere in there, touches a the game when Ingram returns that they would feel pretty good about that. So I i mean, already at 9,100, like, you know, he was a ubiquitous cash game play. Uh, I think he was the highest stone running back overall. It was excellent, of course. I think you have to assume a, a significant downgrade in usage. I don't know exactly how much that could look like, but, you know, last week he had 24 overall touches, 28, you know, opportunities, if you want to put it that way, in terms of rushing attempts plus targets. I think something in the high teens probably makes more sense. And, for us, that will likely make him a non-play. But, yeah, we'll have to keep monitoring and just see what the Saints are saying about Ingram and, you know, is he on a snap count? What what exactly that's going to entail. But, yeah, as of right now, I would assume that you want to take a week to wait and see there
0: yeah i think that's where we're going to have to be i don't um i don't see how we can pay top level prices for a guy that could just very well go back to splitting carries uh, no matter how good he's been i mean be, be probably
1: should too by the way ingram was good last year like he's not a bad runner yeah and
0: anyways. you and we've seen this you don't want to just run these guys into the ground if you have guys if you have two guys that can do it uh, then why not just do it because there's no reason mm-hmm. to just tax to overtax some of your better players if You just simply don't have to. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, David
1: Johnson in 2016 had 373 touches, and David Johnson in 2017 had, uh, let's see here, yeah, like 20
0: touches. (laughs) That's that's not my accent. So, he'll be back. Um, He'll be back. The other one that's coming back from suspension, Julian Edelman uh, for the Patriots. It did not seem like they missed him last week. There was some, I, I mean, I thought I was a little concerned that the Patriots. We're running – we've talked about this in the game-to-game. Game. I guess probably I was a little bit more adamant about it than you were um, in terms of like the Patriots just looking like they had just gotten all old at once and it was all going downhill. And True to Belichick and Brady fashion, they just reversed the script on that and just completely <laughs> crushed the Dolphins. Uh, did not look like there was any rust on them at all. Uh, now, you know, now you're like, okay, well, now are the Patriots back in the discussion for the Super Bowl? Possibly. I'm not really sure. But they're going to get Edelman back. Seemed like they did kind of miss him as a possession guy. Gronk has not – and Gronk looks like he's hurt as well now. Um, Gronk had not really filled in there. Chris Hogan had been just bad. I, I just hadn't done a single thing this whole entire season. How much do you think Edelman, get, jumping back in here, where do we want to set his target share at now? They do have Josh Gordon now, but the rest of the receiving core is not something that he's really going to contend with. Do we want to put Edelman back into this discussion of, you know, some of these very highly targeted guys? He's been there in the past, and he also just hasn't played a ton over the last couple of years. Yeah,
1: I think Edelman will return to being a pretty highly targeted wide receiver. Um, You know, we thought kind of Chris Hogan would inhabit that space, and it hasn't worked out that way. And Brady's shown a tendency in the past to want to have that guy underneath, whether it's Walker or Edelman or whoever, uh, to be able to dump the ball to when the going gets tough. You know, Gronk can operate in that role sometimes. Uh, You know, there's questions about Gronk's health right now. And, of course, last week, and actually every week since week one, Gronk has been bad and lowly targeted. So, yeah, I think Edelman, he... I think he's someone that you can forecast pretty aggressively here. He's also still cheap, you know, compared to like he only needs one week to replicate what he's done in the past, and he'll go right up to 8000 So he's very, very cheap now, and I'm looking for pretty high ownership on him there.
0: A couple other injury pieces. Uh, T.Y. Hilton gets hurt uh, in, the, in the middle of this game uh, for the Colts. Chester Rogers sort of stepped up. Uh, the Colts. And I'm mentioning a lot of these teams, and they actually end up. The Patriots and the Colts end up playing Thursday night. So for the main slate, it's not really going to matter. But
1: what do we want to do? Hilton did wind up returning? You know, like he left early, did come back, um, still a little bit banged up. It's still just like kind of weird there with Andrew Luck, and Luck throwing more passes than ever, but for less distance. So <laughs> the Colts are still sort of an enigma. Like you said, it's for Thursday. It'll matter for people to play the Thursday slate um, for big tournaments it's always weird to play the guys that actually play on thursday because most people that are playing the thursday slate are doing so to play the guys in the thursday game right. so <laughs> you tend to get uh you know fading the thursday games a tried and true big tournament strategy for me so yeah i don't think there's going to be much on either side of that that i will likely be interested in because how many people are just sitting there going dude i can play julian edelman at 6500 he'll be one of the most highly on wide receivers, given that that's on the Thursday slate yeah, for big tournaments, I, and I, I think you. I'm can,
0: not sure that's totally the case anymore. I think they. Speak you don't much, think so? Nah, not as much anymore. The industry just gotten, it just has gotten a lot smarter. It, it still happens for sure. Um, I mean, look, if you did it last week, then you got paid off handsomely if you did the Vikings and the Rams because they just couldn't stop scoring. But um, the I think in general that is not as a tested strategy anymore, and it can be just correct. They Like they're running into sort of some better teams over the last couple of weeks, like the Vikings and Rams in the, in the last week or the Patriots this week. Um, and I just don't think that the ownership ends up not being as high, especially with the late swap. I think the industry in general has just gotten smarter. One other injury piece of news uh, here is Leonard Fournette is just back to being hurt. Um, T.Y. Excuse me, T.Y. Holden, I got the, my notes screwed up here. T.J. Yeldon. Came in and carried a majority of the carries last week. He had 18 carries, three targets, did score twice. Um, you know what are we? He's been a guy that we've wanted to sort of play when Fournette has sat, and that's just been something that they can't keep Fournette healthy for long periods of time over and over again. We, we've seen this uh, when they do. They go into Kansas City this week. Will we want to have exposure to the Yeldon piece? Is he getting enough of the looks in both the passing game and the running game to enter the discussion as one of these? Maybe sort of close to every down back, or is he, or is it just kind of too much of a committee there if Fournette's not there?
1: Well, so it's partially the committee piece, but Yeldon did have 21 touches last game, so it's not like the committee got to him too badly. Uh, you know, part of it is that he's not been amazing on the touches that he does get. Uh, he gets two touchdowns last week, which I think is pretty dramatically over expectation for him. At 6,500, he's just on the expensive side of like that great. Uh, running back punt price that we're hoping to tap into as well. So you're kind of just like if you're looking at him in a $6,500 range, uh, you're going to be comparing him with you know guys like Sony Michelle was great last week, uh, you know g- guys like Carlos Hyde who's the definitive number one back on his team, you know, and I guess he's he probably fits in that group somewhere, but I can't say I'm particularly excited about like Gio Bernard's in that group, uh, you know, assuming that he plays. We don't know what ha- what took him out of the last drive just yet, but. Um, I don't know. It, it, that's one that if it winds up making the prices work, I think I could stomach it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to like jam him in as the punt of the week or anything.
0: Yeah, I take that back. He did. He out-snaps Corey Grant 48-7, 40, though Fournette did come out. Uh, Fournette had played a decent amount. Yeah, uh, and then one other piece of injury news is that Devontae Freeman looks like he's going to be back this week. Um, had we seen enough about Tevin Coleman, from Tevin Coleman to, for this to matter, or is this this just go back to the running back by committee where we just can't really... Trust anything in the Falcons. They're going to play in what really appears to be. I mean, some of the over unders going into this week are completely crazy. At 58 over under for the Atlanta uh, Pittsburgh game. Um, there's a couple other over 50s. Uh, just, yeah, there's four, five games with over unders over 50. Teams that are just up in like the 28, 29 implied points, which is for what I mean for one week is just nuts as compared to last year. But anyway, the Devontae Freeman thing does that move the needle at all, or just to say now there's just even more mouths to feed on Atlanta, and it's going to be even tougher to trust them from a fantasy perspective.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't, you know, the my old mantra when it comes to football is for cash games, I only need to pick a couple guys for each position, so that's just a really high bar to clear. There's no reason. Like, if you look at the plays, uh, and I don't know if we ever mentioned this yet, but we had an excellent week for for cash game purposes. Our our number one lineups on FanDuel and DraftKings were both terrific. Um, actually, there's some debate as to which lineup wind up being the number one lineup on DraftKings, because uh, it was a little hectic there at the end, but the nonetheless we had some really really excellent weeks and last week you would have been trying to pick you know you'd have Kamara you would had Sony Michelle you had Ezekiel Elliott you wouldn't have played any of these guys in that week and I suspect that you're not going to need to do that for cash either that being said for big tournaments you know you keep seeing the top of these big tournaments it comes down to taking the chances on the old uh, Taylor -Taylor Gabriel types you know (laughs) like you you do want to get a little bit of separation You do want to tap into those relatively less popular plays. Uh, You want to tap into guys like maybe you had Mike Davis in the late slate and you said, yeah, this fresh odd Penny thing, I just don't buy it, right? So going off board, getting a backup, getting one half of a running back by committee, that can be a way to get intense separation from the field. So I think it should be on your radar for that purpose and probably you don't need to bother for cash.
0: Yes, Seattle can just feel free to just just go away, man, with this running back thing. I mean, these guys, they're all over the place. You never know who's going to play. I mean, if they put the running back on special teams, he gets too tired, and these guys get hurt. He get, The guys look good one game and just completely sits out the next game. I This is just a team that just looks like they're trying to get relegated, even though you can't even do that in the NFL, though I wish you could. But, the yeah, Seattle Correct. is just a complete and total mess. I think that covers all of the injury news and notes. I mean, the small one, O.J. Howard, uh, is hurt now. Cam, I guess, maybe gives an opportunity to Cameron Brate. Tyler Eifert, looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Maybe that opens up a target or two in the Cincinnati passing game. So, hate to... Yeah, I mean, some in, of, injuries are terrible. Some injuries, from a fantasy perspective, matter a lot more than others. These tight ends getting hurt, the way the tight ends being used in general in the NFL these days, it's just not really a position. It's, it's almost like going the way of kickers. Like I just, it's almost becoming just a completely useless position. There's like three or four. Well, games it just feels
1: like, random is what it feels right. like. Like you know, sometimes you can get like there's still some guys on the top end. Like, I talked about Ertz going into last week as the safest overall play at the position. He That checked out. You know, he's got double-digit targets every single game on the season. But it's always weird because... And part of it's just a weirdness in the pricing algorithm. Because, sure, Ertz is is good. He's the most consistent tight end right now. But 7,500? Like, if you had a guy with that track record at wide receiver, you just wouldn't play them at 7,500, you know? Kelsey's the same way at seventy-seven. You know, he's on double-digit targets three weeks in a row. Uh, seems to really have something with Mahomes there. But, like... You're really sticking your neck out, but and then randomly the prices just drop down to where you'll get guys with lots of opportunity, but who are really erratic, like Eric Ebran, in the mid five thousands. And the position is just so strange and so hard to hard to pin down. It does seem to introduce a heck of a lot of variance. Um, you're going to get Jared Cooks week one and week four, or you're going to get Jared Cooks week two and three. Like it's just it's. Like reading tea leaves, it's really difficult.
0: Yeah, um, I the, and again, like the way the modern day, the, especially the smart offenses use this position, you know, the Rams just don't even have, some teams just don't even bother. You know, they're just like, you know, like, they're like <laughs> right. Rams, are like 3 we're just going to do three wide receivers and the tight end's going to, the Rams, like the Higby's of the world. Yeah, that's just, just another block. There's going to block and he's not going right. to catch the ball. You know, the Lions are kind of the same way. So there's, these teams that have three wide receivers, like why would we stick a slower a slower guy in the catch passes when we can just have Kenny Galladay running around catching passes. So um, I think that's just you're going to see more and more teams go this way. Uh, just and I think that's just not going to be a trend that really reverses itself anytime soon. All right, let's go through some of the performances from this week. Um, some of the guys we wrote up in our cash game article looked pretty damn good. Trubisky, man, there was a point where at about twelve thirty-five after after some I updates, know. Trubisky was in all of our cash game lineups. Um, and
1: I said you can't have him there. Yeah, you can't be, I, I you can't be the guy. Had this, the one guy. You only get one quarterback, right? I had the same <laughs> feeling
0: from a just from a safety perspective. I wrote him up. I loved them as a play. I thought that it was going to just generally work out because of who he was playing and what he had done this season. And I mean, it sure did. And I just couldn't pull the trigger for cash games. I'm not, I'm not bemoaning it. I I don't, it probably was too risky considering what you have in Watson. And yet look I at mean, him. This game he had was just, he was, he was done by the he was done basically by the end of the first quarter, he had hit value. And then it was just kind of all gravy from there. Uh, he ends up throwing six touchdowns. 354 yards, and only 26 passes. This is another theme that's happening this season with some of these guys is the amount of touchdowns you're getting for how few passes you need to throw. Goff throws five touchdowns and only 33 attempts. Um, you know, we saw we've saw we seen this with Mahomes for like the first three weeks where he just barely took any attempts to get there on touchdowns. Uh, do you think, you know, with the way the scoring was so damn high for FanDuel and DraftKings this week, you needed so many points to even sniff cash game. Forget tournaments, um, just even sniff, sniff cash game lineups. Uh, do you think this is part of just because it looks like it's just getting so much easier on offense for some of these guys? If you only need to throw 26 attempts for six touchdowns, I, 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 this we're, we're working with just a whole new set of information that I think everyone's trying to adjust to f- trying to figure out on the fly here.
1: Yeah, you know, and our system has, you know, obviously like it's been developed over half a decade now and it's been tweaked and prodded more times than we could ever even remotely count. And it's gotten used to a certain type of NFL, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's gotten it's gotten used to uh, totals of 50 or under, for instance, by and large, unless there's some outrageous like Patriots-Steelers game from a couple years ago, or Patriots-Saints or something like that. Uh, it's gotten used to only four or five guys getting double-digit targets a game on average rather than 10 or 15. And things like that are going to make, it kind of makes it exciting, you know, like Um, like baseball for me has a feeling of there's nothing new under the sun and that makes it boring. And I think it drives away casual fans as well. Football, I think this new high-flying NFL makes DFS more fun because your guys are scoring more often. And it probably introduces a little bit of more variance too. You know, like uh, there's no such thing as, well, this is the one wide receiver in the mid-range price point. It's Jarvis Landry or whatever. And you're just going to pay him because he's, or play him because he's like the obvious mid-range play. Like you have a lot of guys doing a pretty interesting uh, Jarvis Landry sort of impression of getting lots of targets and even doing better than him, turning it into lots of receptions. So I think it's just about recalibrating. It's making sure that you don't get carried away. Like I think for, for matchup data, for instance, you don't want to get carried away based on small samples perhaps now more than ever uh, because just one of those games where you happen to be the ones who got torched by the Bears yep. is going to make your defense look a lot worse than perhaps uh, reality is. It's going to make you know kind of a snowballing effect if you get in a matchup where you're uh, at a disadvantage defensively against the opposing offensive team, that snowballing effect will lead to these like runaway scores and performances, like we've seen from the Chiefs, uh, even the Bucks in their heyday weeks, uh, the Falcons, Saints. I mean, the uh, Vikings two weeks in a the row. Vikings, the Vikings
0: yeah. led up just a million points to the Bills and the Rams, and now one you can explain because yeah. it's the Rams. Uh, the other one you can't because it's the Bills. But right when you get when these teams start rolling downhill, I mean, is the Vikings defense that bad? They've led up like eighty points over the last two weeks. Are they? You wouldn't think are, so. No. Right, and so that's why, yeah, I don't know know how, it's very, I don't want to say I don't know how to, it becomes very difficult to evaluate these defensive situations, because if you run into a scheme that you just were ill-equipped to deal with just in the moment, now some teams, teams like the Cardinals, are are going to be ill-equipped to deal with everything, right? They can't keep their offense on the field, they're just not very good, I, I get it, the Bills kind of are the same way, they're just going to have, it's going to be hard for their defense to be good, simply because the defense is going to be on the field more often, but um, do we want to just like start trusting Vegas lines more than we have in the past? I, that's one thing I've noticed I've done this year yeah. uh, as opposed to past years. In past years, I've been reticent to um, or hesitant to tr- not trust. I mean, I'm mean, i using the word trust in Vegas um, in a way that I think probably most people misinterpret. I, I don't mean that I trust like they've nailed – they've hit the nail on the head in terms of like, what the final score is going to be. That's not what I mean. What I mean by is to give me a sense of pace and to give me a sense of um, – just overall the idea of the overall scoring more than just the, the exact number? I hope I'm explaining that correctly because I I think people hear me say, trust Vegas or you know use Vegas. And I'll and they'll say, inevitably say Vegas is wrong. and Vegas gets things wrong, of course, I'm using it more um, for just a, a flow kind of idea. Do we want to just start using that more? I know already we have this year, and I'm wondering if we just need to continue using it even more than we ever have in the past. And this year already ranks as the highest year we've ever used it.
1: Okay, so I think it's. I think ultimately projections that are more in line with what Vegas is projecting makes sense. I'm not sure that it makes sense to kind of use Vegas lines as a blunt tool to just raise all Correct. projections. Um, so it's more like asking asking oneself the question, well, what is Vegas seeing this year? Because the thing about it, even more so than DFS sites like ours, Vegas has a lot on the line by screwing this up, right? Like if the sharps are a week ahead of Vegas when it comes to. Uh, you know, figuring out how many points are going to get scored, they'll get taken to the cleaners and they'll get taken to the cleaners repeatedly. And they probably already have, frankly, uh, when these unusual situations come up, because then the market can adapt and, you know, kind of uh, outcompete Vegas in some certain ways. And so I think the sign that they're raising these totals in response to it, it's unsurprising on one hand, because like, obviously, like, the, the general public is gonna see what's going on. But I think it definitely does want to tell us something for DFS purposes. And I think like a good question here, it's it's as much trying to figure out where all the extra opportunity is going to go, but it's also just trying to compare those guys amongst each other. So, yes. you know, in some ways it's just it's just about you narrow down your player pool, like you only the only acceptable plays are going to be guys hopefully that will fall into that field, but like you saw even with the increased uncertainty, even with like kind of generally crazy situations in so many different places, you still saw some pretty heavily chalk plays as well. Yep. So, you know, you really want to be reading up on sites, you want to be having your finger on the pulse there because the other thing is you could just get cleaned out if you miss out on one single guy like If you didn't have uh, Sterling Shepard, it was an uphill climb last week. If you didn't have, you know, one of, hopefully both of uh, Kamara and Elliott, um, you were going to be like, if you didn't have Kamara, you couldn't cash, basically, uh, for cash games. He was 69% and scored 39 fantasy points. Like, you were just already dead. Gio Bernard, similar story, 76%. So um, there's going to be some heavy chalk. And when you know that's going to happen, you need a really good reason to fade it, probably. So. a lot yeah, of so a couple of things. For your money, well,
0: there. <laughs> yeah, so well, and a couple of things too. Like one thing, I know my Vegas thing was loaded because you understand how our system is created and the users don't. I'm not going to go through it at all. I guess I'm saying is, we, th- th- it's one very small piece. That's no, not a small piece. It's one piece of the pie that goes into it. It's a standing. sanity check,
1: basically. It's and like, well, not, but yeah. not
0: even even for me this year, it's not even more than a sanity check. I'm just using it. I'm using it more directly than I ever have in the past to just boost overall scores. Because right. one thing I've noticed is, th- there, it is not. It, it, um, league, scoring is up across the league. But it's not for every team, right? Like the Bills still have 15 implied points or whatever this week. Like Vegas, the, for all the changes in the NFL that have happened, um, I think Vegas is a good way to use it to bring up to speed some of the teams that are just doing something way beyond what we've seen in the past. Some teams are not doing anything different. The Dallas has refu- Dallas is not doing anything different. They're running the ball. They're not going to score very much. Buffalo's not, they're not going to score very much. Some of these teams, I think I'm using it more, And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about it more. I'm using it more to figure out these teams that have figured out something else beyond what our system is going to be able to catch up with in the short term, right? Like in terms of like the overall opportunity, the, the ability to score just more quickly than they have in the past. Um, I'm using it just as, as that kind of, as that kind of instrument. And the thing that you mentioned about the the chalk, uh, the, this is just another sign that the industry year over year, we've seen it all the time. That's why sites like ours still exist. Honestly, um, is that the industry just gets smarter every single year. The, the reason the right. chalk has just, the chalk has basically paid off, way more than it has in this year. I know that's like a that's not really a mathematical number I'm throwing out, but yeah, and it awesome, all
1: right? I mean, the industry is filled with smart people who've been doing this for a long time, and the chalk should pay off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it should, and it just and it just has. And so, if you have not been on some of these plays week after week, like Kamara for three weeks and and whatever, if you take weeks where you're off of these guys, um, it's just going to be more and more difficult because the industry is very smart. They're going to see, you know, they're going to see this value. The play, some of these players' prices have just not come up enough for some of this opportunity for the way their offenses are playing. Uh, so, anyway, all right. Any other? What we have kind of gotten off the rails of just talking about individual guys here. Uh, a lot of some quarterbacks kind of stand out a lot of pass attempts luck throws 62 passes car throws 58 cousins throws 50 I mean, do we want to make anything of these big games a lot of them were just kind of playing from behind needing to catch up uh and if there's no running backs i mean there are other games that stood out to you this week as telling you something for going forward
1: yeah that's a good question so on a macro level um the divide between effective passers and pass catchers uh and running backs kind of maintained itself uh we saw a big week out of Ezekiel Elliott. We of course learned after the fact that he's playing with knee and ankle injuries. I don't know how stupid Dallas needs to be to like in a season where realistically are they playing for anything this season? No, it's not, they're terrible. not totally they're not clear to me. Yep. So if they're pla- if they're that bad, then what the hell are they doing? Like they're do stupid. They, can they just look around and see Leonard Fournette? Can they see, you know, David Johnson? Can they see the long list of guys over the decades of now data that we have now in the NFL and see that this is the dumbest possible thing that they could be doing. Well, can doing. I can I jump in there real um, quick? No, so yeah, the,
0: the reason the reason the answer is no is cuz the this answer was known at the time they drafted Zeke and still chose to draft him, right? Now, it's become more apparent years later, um but the data on why you don't draft running backs early was well disseminated before they made that pick and still chose to do it. And nothing about right. them their team has changed. Now, it's even more an indictment. The teams that do it later, like the Giants with Saquon Barkley, like that one, you get double points against you because you've already been told by every single smart person in the world that this is not what you do. And by, by the way, even if you're not told you're signaled by the, all the, all the other smart teams that don't do it. So either you're told directly or indirectly to not do this. I'm um, like we're and kind so, of just going to do it anyway. I you know? think we're just going to do it, dude. I, like, I, <laughs> I, like I, we see something they don't, they just, so I, the, the reason they don't see it is because they've had all the chances to see it and simply can't. So, um. No, they yeah. don't see it, and they're bad. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. You, so the mostly just, so
1: the teams yeah. that really relied on the run this week, uh, Elliot, You know, take it for what it's worth. We did see Sonny Michelle rack up a bunch of carries in a what can only be called a, an unusual game script. Of course, just because the Pats had a bunch of fast possessions, and then they were just up by a ton for such a long time in the game. So I'm not sure if you can count on 25 carries a game for him. Interesting. You can't. That let that
0: me. He, I want to jump in on him real quick too. Sorry, I keep okay. interrupting. He was still outs. He he had the third – well, excuse me, I'll just go down this list. James White had 40 snaps. Devlin had 33 snaps. Sonny Michelle had 33 snaps. Um, if you think he's going to get 25 – if he's going to touch the ball 25 of the 33 times that he's on the field, uh, that is just simply not a sustainable number. So I'd be very concerned with his snap count. Um, it's well, part not... of that,
1: though, part of that here was that, like, they – everyone knew they were going to run the ball, and they just did it anyway because they couldn't stop it, right? So um... – So, right, he didn't need all those stats. But, yeah, I mean, the the very basic level, James White being the definitive at least third down back probably makes that unsustainable. You have David Johnson, kind of who cares? The team's horrendous. He's been bad on a per-touch basis. I mentioned Carlos Hyde, keeps getting the carries, keeps not doing a whole lot with him, (laughs) keeps getting the goal line carries. Uh, And then you have Mike Davis, just came out of nowhere. Uh, Rashad Penny was listed as the starter. Davis had 21 carries. Again, Carson looks like he's going to play next week. Don't think you can count on that. You have Marshawn Lynch piled up a bunch of yards in the 20 carry department, Uh, six and a half yards per carry. I don't know. Like Jalen Richard looks to be uh, the pass catching back early on. Lynch had five targets. Maybe he's a guy that you can look at going forward. But if you're having a feeling of being uninspired by these names, you should, I guess is my major point. Uh, Then you go down to like these, uh, the backs doing both sides. Uh, Gurley had. 21 touches, 150 yards, still excellent. Gordon, uh, 22 touches, 160 yards. So you have guys that are doing it. It tends to be, and of course, Kamara, I didn't even mention him, but you have guys that are still doing it. They're doing it on both the passing and the running side of the ball. And I think a big takeaway here is if you're only running the ball, you probably don't have enough upside to compete with these guys that are doing both. And so, you know, it's all well and good that Carlos Hyde is going to get 22 carries a game. But given that carries are created... Uh, less equally than targets are targets just tend to lead to more yards, more touchdowns per target that kind of thing. I think you probably just don't need to bother with any of the big volume carry guys and then yeah then you get left with the hybrid guys and they're going to be expensive and you're going to That get list is on,
0: so. that list is short on the main slate for this week. I would say that list is girly. McCaffrey I'm going to put on that list um i james Conner, i'm not sure we can keep him there uh he's just not carrying the mm-hmm. ball enough in this offense melvin gordon and geo and that's and i guess saquon barkley uh but, but of those guys like barkley's team is probably too bad to really trust so you're really looking, looking at a list probably of f- three to four guys that fit that bill and that is just too short of that's just that's a very short list i think we're gonna see a ton of chalk again uh from the running back position because you just can't Anyone that understands anything about this is going to know that if you need to, if your if you're, if you're cash game running back basically needs to be on the field for this amount of touches and get the in the passing game too, that list basically right now is four four guys long. I, it's which yeah, is really crazy to think about. All right, uh, well, we're starting to run long. Hit us up with some of this some of the wide receiver thoughts. Another week of just some insane uh, wide receiver games as well, especially for some guys that maybe we didn't expect going in. Um, I don't know if we think we're going to continue to see these kind of performances on a week-to-week basis out of the receivers, simply because of the way the pass is being uh, just utilized in the current day NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I, I wrote a really long piece going right into the weekend last weekend uh, about wide receivers and how they've been used this year, the increase in the double-digit target per game wide receiver. Um, you know, I mentioned it on the podcast several times as well. This week, we have 20 double-digit target wide receivers, many of whom were guys already averaging double-digit targets, so you know that number is going to maintain or perhaps even grow. Uh, You're seeing one interesting trend that I wanted to draw out that uh, I don't see being talked about in a lot of different places is there's a handful of teams that are sustaining two double-digit target guys per game, which is just totally unheard of uh, for the modern NFL, and some guys are kind of moving into roles where it looks like they might do it going forward. So uh, these teams are, you know, the Steelers with Brown and Smith-Schuster. Um, of course, I had it written down and I lost my paper. I, I, I could
0: probably guess, like, Lions with Galladay and Tate, maybe something like that. Um... Yeah, I, oh,
1: and then the other one was uh, the Vikings. Obviously, like, I had written up, I had written a whole thing just in classic DFSR fashion. Didn't get it published before the Thursday game, uh, drawing out Thielen and Diggs and, you know, calling that as being pretty sustainable. though, guys combined for 27 targets and then we see some you know there's still no shortage of the oh and then the other one was uh, Beckham and Shepard now Shepard of course uh, the track record isn't quite there yet but he was one of the more popular cash game plays steps into it and totally crushes it so uh, basically I think you're seeing you know a lot of these teams that are not relying on the run as much what they're doing is kind of spreading out what would have been those carries into short passes to their wide receivers and that's just something you're going to need to be on top of Houston's another one, Kiki. Cutie, Kiki Kauti, yeah. <laughs> this guy, whose name I can't pronounce, uh, he comes out there and gets 15 targets on top of Hopkins' 12 targets. So you're getting just tons of teams just spreading the ball out a lot. And, you know, it just reemphasizes for me, more so than any individual performance here, because I don't know that, you know, anyone really had too surprising of a blowout opportunity increase, besides like Cutie and maybe Corey Davis, is that teams are just, there's plenty of guys like this to go around now. So you just really don't want to be in that. Is this Deshaun Jackson's week? Like you don't want to be inhabiting that space, I don't think. So um, that's really my takeaway is I'm going to look for absolute safety in the passing game. And I'm going to feel like I can get it
0: two other teams to mention along those lines one would be the saints except that one other guys was the running back uh like thomas and sure. Kamara were averaging over double digit targets per game um like somewhere in like the 12 to 13 range except Kamara, and then another team i think that would be there they just haven't had to be is i think the rams actually would be in this zone too they just win the games too easily and they've just got a score. few guys
1: like that cup woods yeah cooks yeah and, and cooks
0: and- like they just score too easily and so they just don't haven't had the volume there like they they won 33 13 didn't really have to throw a ton 34 nothing uh the chargers game never was really in doubt at 35 23 and then they just scored so quickly on all their possessions against the yeah. Vikings that they that the targets weren't there. So I think actually the plan would be if the defense was worse, this is another team that we would see these guys sustaining these numbers as well and they just don't have to because they just kind of kill everybody every week. So I think that um yeah. I think that's an interesting one too if they're going to if you think and, and by the way, they're not going to be in any close games going forward. Seahawks, Broncos, 49ers, and then finally maybe the Packers. We'll, so we'll see. But so uh, I think the Rams The Rams have a pretty uh, easy runway going Three forward. wide
1: receivers averaging 16 fantasy points or more on the Rams. That's nuts.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And it's like they just haven't even had to throw that much. All right, well, let's get out of here. We're going to be back here again Thursday uh, talking cash game plays for week five. Then again, uh on friday with our game by game breakdown which has been a popular one in terms of listen so go check that out we'll have cash game picks going up on our site dfsr.com slash deals That's the deal for all you podcast listeners it's free for three our subscription for free for three days and then just 24.95 a month after that hockey first uh, night of hockey picks going up tonight pga going up busy week here at dfsr See, uh, college football as well plus all of our premium stuff so very busy go check it out dfsr.com we'll get uh, and slash deals will get you that free three-day trial buddy Talk to you again Thursday when we break down cash games for week five. Peace.